Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Not Gonna Lie podcast presented by Student Union Sports. This week's episode features me and Pat talking week three, going over a couple of new prospects in our prospect book report. Uh, and finally, we get into our bets. Pat's got a commanding lead uh, at four and two versus my one and five, but I feel a hot streak coming. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back, everyone, to the week three episode of the Not Gonna Lie podcast. I'm John here with Pat. Uh, it's a rough week for our teams. I'll, I'll be honest with you. It wasn't, wasn't great. Wasn't great for me. Wasn't great for you. Um, we, have a lot to, we have a lot to talk about, I'd say. Um, not only around the NFL, but uh, with our own teams. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I consider you an authority uh, when it comes to fantasy football. I, I feel like you've got a pretty good sense. Even if you're not always right, you never are intentionally guiding people in the wrong direction, which I appreciate. That's my um, goal. Yeah. Usually you don't get that. Yeah. Usually you don't get that with people who are in the league with you. Um, but there's a league. I'll, I'll be straight. I am in five leagues. I am one in nine, um, wow. which is, which is not great. No. Um, I am a believer in you, in your ability to fix what is wrong with my teams. And there is one team that I think that you can kind of give me a good, uh, sense of, of what I should be doing, who I should be moving on from, who I should be trying to move in via trade or who I should be dropping to free agency because they're worthless and don't deserve a roster spot um a lot of pressure so, you're really yeah. you're really hyping me up here so really this is this is your team now um okay and uh i'll then it's really the, request... it's really the podcast team this is this is yeah. i think this might be maybe a, a journey for all of yeah. us yeah i'm owing to i haven't cracked 100 points yet uh it's not great i had the number one pick uh in this draft uh but it was a keeper league uh, where the keeper occupied the pick or the round uh, the, the keeper occupied the round that the player was selected in the previous year. So for instance, I drafted Darnell Mooney last year in the 10th round. And I thought keeping him this 10th round would be pretty good value. Makes sense on paper. He has four yards receiving this year. It's not great. Um, here's my team so far. I have Josh Allen at quarterback. Feel like you can't go wrong there. That's great. I got Derrick Henry at running back. Okay. Uh, along with Antonio Gibson. I have three starting wide receivers with Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, and Darnell Mooney. Obviously, Allen did not play this week. Um, my starting tight end is Dawson Knox. My flex is Cordero Patterson. My kicker is Nick Folk. My defense is the Los Angeles Chargers, but who really cares about kicker and defense? Whatever. 
my bench uh, is not great. It doesn't leave a lot of room for, for great options here. It's Justin Fields because I'm a sucker for the Bears. Of course. Um, I have Rashad Penny, who put up a nice 1.5 points this week. Uh, Zach Moss and Khalil Herbert. Now, this is the ultimate nobody cares about your fantasy team, uh, even though I just read my entire fantasy team to you. Um, I cannot help, and I'm sending you sending you the information of my team right now just so that you okay. can get it, your, your full eyes on it because it's not great. Um, where, where do I go from here? I, I'm 0-2. I'm lost. I'm prone to overreacting. Um, do I move on from Derek? Do I try and trade Derek Henry after a disappointing start? Do I move on from Keenan Allen because he's already splitting the target share with Mike Williams and now he's hurt. And so that's probably not going to help either. Or where, where do we kind of go from here? I mean, I think first and foremost, right? Like there's a, a lot of trying to figure out the right words to say here. Like there's, there's a lot of like directions you could go, which is sure. like spin zone. It's nice because you really could, you know, you're not locked into any player, any position, anything else. Um, so first place we're going to look uh, or where I want to look is the waiver wire. So before we get into any trades or anything, let's mm -hmm. talk waiver wire. So just give me the first, the top five running backs and wide receivers that are, are uh, uh, available. And then we'll, do you and want we'll go each or do you want um, just combined? Well, do com let's do combined. I'll make it easy. Let's do the All top right. eight combined. Based on um, projected points this week. Okay. Rex Burkhead is the top running back available. Mm. This is a 12 team league. I should, I yeah. should mention that. Uh, at a projected 9.6. I don't love him because he did not get any carries last week. Um, Corey Davis is the top wide receiver here. Uh, Gerald Everett is the top tight end. Not, not a bad option to replace Dawson Knox, who has not done anything. Uh, Sterling Shepard's available, Nico Collins, Robbie Anderson, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Irv Smith. Uh, kind of okay. top that list. Right. I realized that I just gave you a couple of tight ends, so if I were to go further than that, I would then, uh, still in wide receivers, it would be K.J. Osborne and Richie James. So. Okay, so one guy that I feel like I've been talking about a lot uh, beginning of this fantasy football season going into it is uh, is Gerald Everett. I have Gerald Everett and I think three out of my six leagues. Um, and he's definitely a, a guy you should grab, maybe not put a waiver claim on. Um, and it might be tough after this week, but the target share is there. Um, he's grabbed, I think it's like, it was like eight and 10 targets or somewhere along those lines. Um, the, the first two games of the season, obviously no Keenan Allen in the second game. Um, but as far as the rest of it goes, yeah, you're in a bit of a bind. I mean, I don't really love a lot of the... my team looks really good on paper preseason. That's the problem. Yeah. Or at least the starting, the, the starters do. Um, yeah. Ha and, had and every it... league is different, but it, it just, it has not worked out well. Yeah. Okay. A couple of things I would say, I mean, I think maybe you do start fielding offers for Derrick Henry. Um, you're going to get a a lot of people that lowball you obviously um and so really what you're looking for is a solid like rb2 wide receiver two combination 
which I think is possible. And I think that you can get um, for Derrick Henry because it still is Derrick Henry. And if you don't get that, then I'd feel very comfortable, you know, still running with him because, you know, if you can't, if you can't find that option is what it is. Cordero Patterson is a guy who his, the max value you were going to get from him was probably last week after he had that big game and he got, uh, I think it was a touchdown over hundred rushing yards. Like it was a very good game. He's yeah. already splitting carries with Tyler Algier. So that's a little bit of a concern um, because you, you have him, um, but they do play the Seahawks next week. So it's worth a shot to, to hold. Um, and it might be a good game for Rashad Penny too, but it's worth a shot to just wait on it and kind of see where, what those guys are able to do um, this next week. Um, but looking forward, I mean, Darnell Mooney, it's going to be tough to find uh, any any sort of value for him. So it might be worth it just to, to stick with him and see what happens. Things get better. I, yeah, they played their – this is the first time that they don't play a, what I would consider a better passing defense with Houston mm-hmm. um, in week yeah. three. The tough part, the tough part is that uh, Justin Fields threw the ball eleven times last night. So if you're only throwing eleven times, the target share is not super high for uh, you know Darnell Mooney to begin with. I think that's fair. The thing that I would prevent you from looking too far into is that the actual play design it was a twenty-four to nineteen split run pass. Um, there were three sacks, a few penalties that, that kind of turned things around. And I think three scrambles too, um, to, to just escape a collapsing pocket. So it was designed for it to still be 19, which isn't great. Obviously 19 is not 40, which you see with a lot of other teams, but when they were, when Dave Montgomery was running all over that deep, that Packers defense, I kind of get it. I'm not too worried about it. Um, but yeah, having Darnell Mooney is not what I thought it might be. Yeah. Uh, during the draft. All right. So yeah, as far as as far as these go, here's here's where I'm gonna lay it down. Uh, I'm gonna give you a couple of guys that I think are buy low and guys that can help you salvage that aren't gonna cost you an arm and a leg because they haven't done anything quite yet. Um, and you also might have to consider packaging up Josh Allen in one of these deals um, is just, you know, essentially where I'm at. So a couple of guys that I think still could, uh, you know, could go off, but are a good buy low candidate. Travis Etienne is number one. Um, I think he hasn't really, they haven't really un- unleashed him in this offense yet. We got a small taste of it and I liked what I saw specifically against Washington, not so much against Indianapolis. He just didn't get as much run, but I think that it's there. And I think they will eventually phase out James Robinson and use him. Um, another guy is Allen Robinson. I think he's still getting into the groove of the offense, caught a touchdown last week, but there are a couple instances where, you know, he was open. He was in the right position. The ball just didn't go his way, which happens. But in that high powered of an offense, that wide receiver too is going to be valuable. I mean, look at, what Robert Woods did when he was healthy. Look at what OBJ did when he came over um, later on in the season. So those are two guys. Obviously, I mentioned Gerald Everett is a guy um, that you definitely want to look at picking up that you could probably start. Um, I mean, but you know Dawson Knox is going to just go off 
some of these games. Like he's just going to have three games where he scores, you know, 24 points. Um, so it's not, not the, you know, not crazy. Um, another guy who is kind of interesting because the production hasn't really matched up with the snaps is Leonard Fournette. So they were talking earlier on in the season about how they were going to try and lighten his workload. But so far this season, he's averaging, I think it's like 88% uh, snap count share, which is incredibly high. He's like one of the highest in terms of uh, usage. Unfortunately, the Bucks are not great right now, um, but it's definitely worth a look um, for, for him just because of what you can get. You're, he's going to get those touches. It's just a matter of putting the yards and the touchdowns and the catches to those touches. Um, yep. And then I think, I'm trying to think, two last guys here that I would go for. Um, Brandon Cooks, he, I, I mean, he's Davis Mills' guy. If they have a good week, he's going to have a good week. If they have a bad week, he probably might still have a decent week. Um, I mean, last week they scored nine points and he he had 10 targets, four catches, 54 yards, but um, he's 12 targets, 10 targets. That's decent production. Um that, that you're going to get. Um, and then finally, Joe Mixon. I think he's a guy, he is in that RB1 category, same with Leonard Fournette, but he's a guy too, that if you do want to get a buy low on, um, you could probably get Mixon and somebody else. Sure. You know, a, a startable wide receiver in exchange for Derrick Henry um, and, and maybe more. So that's where I, that's where I'd start. Those are my guys that I would try and target if I were you this week, see if you, what All you right. can do with them. But uh, week one and I'll and, update you next week. Yeah. This is like a rebuild franchise. I'm excited. Yeah. Got all the pieces except no draft picks to trade. That would be nice. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to start with the bears or do you want to start with the Colts? I'll start with the bears. Cause I kind of want to get a little bit further into the Colts. Okay. And, and my bears takes are going to be pretty minimal. Um, I, I, wasn't super disappointed i mean they were in that game mm -hmm. pretty late um i still think that that ball crossed the goal line i don't really know how it, how you can say that it didn't yeah uh but it's one of those plays where it's if they called it a touchdown on the field they don't overturn that either so it's just a it's unfortunate it's an unfortunate call it's yeah. an unfortunate call on the field that really kind of screws with things it's also a game where you can't you can't blame the refs for how it ended However, you can be upset with their performance still. Yeah. Obviously, they're not the refs are not the reason why the Bears lost that game. Um, it was the first time that they had some of their weaknesses just really kind of exposed. It was the first clean weather game that they've had. I mean, week one was a monsoon, and you can take the positives from it, but you can't really harp too much on the on the negatives then. But in week two, you can kind of see, all right, the run defense isn't great. They're going to have to figure out what they're doing in terms of tackle form. Um, and then Kyler Gordon gets burned a couple times. You're going to be a little bit concerned about that. Uh, and then on offense, nothing really clicked except for just handing the ball to David Montgomery and letting him work. Uh, and, and what stuck out to me as disappointing was the fact that uh, drive one, they let Montgomery kind of eat and run down the field, and they score a touchdown right off the bat. Drives two, three, and four are all three and outs, and over the course of that, Montgomery only got one carry. Um, that just felt like a like an injustice to what had worked. 
Um, and then finally drive five, they drive down the field and get into field goal range. And that was also on the back of Montgomery getting a nice couple of runs in there. Um, I think it's unfair that folks are kind of comparing Getsy to Nagy when the thing that I will look for going forward is do they make the same mistakes then the next week? If they're on a goal, if they're on a goal line situation again next week, are they in the shotgun? If they are, then you have a problem. If they're not, then they're learning. Or if the play calls better, then they're learning. Um, and that's kind of what this year is about. I, you know, I said 10 and 7, but also I've also had the 49ers game as a win and the Packers game as a loss. So technically, 10 and 7 right still very far. much in the cards. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also wasn't overly impressed with the Packers. So, you know, 27 to 10 doesn't look great in the box score, but if you watch the game, never felt really worse than that. Um, and there are some positive takeaways, but also plenty to improve on. And what's most important for me moving off of this is what do they do next week? If they can improve on it for next week and beat up on a team that I think is inferior to them with the Texans, then you know, right on, you're kind of back, you're getting yourself back on track as the schedule gets tougher going into the middle part of the year. Um, so it could have been a lot worse, really wasn't that bad. You know, it's not worth the overreaction at this point. So, yeah, it, it didn't feel like to me just watching that game, the classic like Aaron Rodgers, Packers, and Lambeau, like helpless yeah. feeling. Like it was a couple of things that didn't work out well. I mean, they averaged over six yards of carry on the ground. That's, that's really good. Like very yep. encouraging for, for the, for the bears. Um, Aaron Jones had a great game, but outside of Aaron Jones. Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like I, I thought the bears played a pretty solid game um, all in all. I mean, yeah. And, and like you said, with the, with the 19 pass plays that you'd mentioned before um, there's room for excitement. Uh Yeah. Like, I think that there's there, you know, it, it you said it was 27, 10 and I'm with you. It didn't feel like a three score loss kind of thing. Um, the Packers never really put it, you know, like put the gas on all the way. And I don't know if that was like inability to, or, um, you know, just, just didn't, but yeah, it was encouraging. I think it's good. And, and you're right. This, this week is a big week. Um, not only because it's difference between, you know, two and one and one and two, but this is those games, you know, if, the, if you are going to win 10 games, this is one of the games that you have to win. Yep. So, and yeah. I think it's big for the culture too, of can you respond after, you know, I don't necessarily think that they got their teeth kicked in, but their mentality should be that they did. Yeah. Um, and can you respond positively from that? And, and if they can, then you are changing the culture in a positive way. If not, then if you come out next week and you, you're held scoreless in the first half, then you're running into similar problems that you were doing last year. And you have to figure out what is the root cause of that. So. Yeah. The, uh, the Colts. Um, I'm going to get out ahead of it and say, I had the Colts minus three and a half. And uh, that was my first loss of the season. So explain yourself, John, please. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, I was talking to our, our good friend Harrison during the game um, yeah. about what in the world was, was going on. Um, so first things first with the defense, because that's, 
probably the less obvious part in a 24 to zero loss. Um, but they continually played in this soft shell zone that was just so confusing to me. And obviously, you know, when you have a defensive coordinator like Gus Bradley, those things tend to happen. I don't think he's really had a good defense in the recent recent memory. Um, so it was like the Jaguars were just driving down the field at will. Um, I didn't watch the full game. I watched like the first three and a half quarters and then just sporadically because it was just too much. Um, but yeah, defensively was, was very frustrating. And that was like from the jump, that was from like drive one. Um, and then as the offense failed to continue to drive down the field, um, I get that we didn't have Mike Pittman, but Mike Pittman isn't the only form of offense. You also have a guy by the name of Jonathan Taylor, who they just struggled to get him going, but they also didn't even really make a huge effort to get him going, um, which I at first was excited about because I felt like, uh, you know, throwing to start the game, get our receivers in rhythm would be good. It would make sense, get them feeling comfortable because it's a lot of guys who have under 10 NFL catches. Um, I think the most experienced receiver that we started was Ashton Doolin, um, which that's not a recipe for success in, in any way, shape, or form. But um, Jonathan Taylor had about six carries at halftime, maybe even less than that. Um, and I know we weren't on the field a lot, but and it was six carries for maybe eight yards, but that's the guy that you have to get going. And I think they assumed what I assumed was that he can just do it whenever he wants to. Um, which to an extent is true, but if you only give him the ball nine times, there's only so many carries he can make. I mean, the end of the game, nine carries, 54 yards, which is frankly crazy, all things considered, because it felt like he yeah. had nothing until the end of the game. Um, and then he just tore off a couple of, run, uh, of, of runs. But to make long story short, um, this was an issue that Colts fans, there are two main issues. So it was the left tackle. And there was the wide receiver problem was going into the season. I I wanted Teron Armstead. I thought he'd be a great addition. Since Costanzo retired, we haven't had a guy to fill that role. And we needed another wide receiver. I thought Allen Robinson would be a good fit or literally anybody else. Um, we didn't have Alec Pierce this game concussion. So he was out. So him and Pittman were both out. But still, there's no reason. Um, this was the game. I mean, I feel like at this point, I'm just rambling. But this was the game where Matt Ryan wins over Colts fans. We haven't beat the Jaguars in Jacksonville in years. Um, and everybody's going to bring that up again, even next year when we have a new defensive coordinator and maybe a new head coach and all this stuff and everything's different about our team, a new old quarterback. Um, but they're still going to bring it up, even though our team's not the same. Uh, this was the game. This was the opportunity without Michael Pittman uh, Matt Ryan can win over this fan base and we can start winning. And that just didn't happen. And so it was kind of yeah. like, I'm just left sitting wondering wh why, like what, what went wrong. So kind of, where are you then with Matt Ryan? Um, I mean, I'm still like, I, I still am in the camp of, I think that he is going to be what we expected Philip Rivers would be, but better. Cause I think he's a better quarterback. Um, 
but the, I mean, we, we just have, we have trouble, you know, uh, no more T Y Hilton. He was kind of the security blanket for every quarterback that came through. Um, and he's definitely a guy that we should be on the phone with. Um, but it's also like at a certain point, you can only make so many excuses for other areas of the ball where you start before you start to look at the GM and the head coach. And I love Chris Ballard. I think that he's drafted a ton of studs and he's a great drafter, but his use of free agency has always been an issue. And, you know, we were told just keep waiting. They're going to come, they're going to come. And then we bring in Stefan Gilmore. We trade for Matt Ryan. We trade for Yannick and Gakwe, but don't even touch our two main positions of need, which like I said, left tackle and wide receiver. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it's the patience is running out. I feel like not necessarily for me because I do think it is a long season, but I think there are a lot of fans. I think Jim Ursay, I think there's going to be some pressure on Frank Reich, on Chris Ballard, um, that if they can't figure this out, like the the leash is getting shorter and shorter. Especially yeah. considering that Frank Reich was the one banging the table for Carson Wentz last year and all of that. I think that really shortened his leash too. Well, and it doesn't help that. So Carson Wentz doesn't do well last season in Indianapolis, but through two weeks, he's QB three fantasy wise with Washington. Yeah. Throwing for 300 that's not yards. To say that he's, yeah, that, that's not to say that like, Oh, he's this great commodity now, but he's doing better there than he did here. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I do think part of that is a weapons thing. Like they yeah. really, they've got, I mean, the way that they use Curtis Samuel, I think is fantastic. Um, yeah. He kind of plays that mini Debo Samuel role um, and he does it well. I mean, they were, you know, Terry McLaurin is not gobbling up targets and they're still moving the ball at this rate. And he's throwing for that many yards. Like it's incredible. Jahan Dotson, like they, they made it a priority to get those weapons and, and emphasize them. And I think that that's the difference right now between the Colts and the commanders. Um, uh, do you want to run through the other games? Yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's move on from this. Uh, Chargers chiefs. We're, we're, we're two of the saddest people in sports media. What, what can we say? Yeah, I, I got to try and we'll talk about other things, liven it up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Chargers chiefs. I Great mean, game. three point game a backdoor cover by the uh the los angeles chargers it was 4-0 which was which was 4-0 for pat at that point that was incredible um and also the joshua palmer touchdown that i think every fantasy uh fantasy owner of joshua palmer who picks him up for that reason was hoping for um what stood out to you in this game i mean this is a these are two teams that are very good um yeah but that we'll get to see play one more time Chiefs still don't look great I mean, they Chargers were in con- it, it, even when the Chargers were losing in that game, it still kind of felt like they were in control of it, and then it just got away from them at the end. Uh, but without that pick six, we're probably talking about the two and O Chargers at this point, um, and we might be talking more about wow, the Chiefs lost by double digits because that's really kind of how the game script was going for them. And then uh, Justin Herbert becomes a stud after you know, fracturing the rib cartilage and, and still being able to sling the ball. That's a painful, painful tackle and injury too. the way that he fell on that helmet. Um, and then on that, uh, 
because because he saw it on that third and one where he couldn't even scramble forward just to take the extra couple of feet he had yeah. it too uh and then you're thinking all right you got to get him out of the game chase daniel's got to be the guy who comes in here on this fourth and one herbert sticks it out and throws in a laser uh down the seam so it it just kind of it, it shows you the toughness that they have with him um and then you look at that pick six and just kind of what went wrong on it. I don't know who to blame, whether you blame Herbert for even looking in Everett's way, whether you blame Everett for kind of giving a, a secondary uh, um, effort on it. Uh, or do you blame the sideline for calling in that play and disregarding the fact that Everett was clearly gassed and calling for a replacement after the play down to the four? Um, kind of an odd one to where you just don't really know where that blame goes for right now. Um, I'm still very impressed by the Chargers. Um, I, I'm starting to think that I should flip flop them with the Broncos because I had the Broncos winning that division, and that is no longer the case. Um, unless something drastic happens. Um, but yeah, Chargers look good. Chiefs obviously are fine because uh, now they're 2-0 and 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 that's a big win for them. Uh, but they definitely have some improvements to make on the offensive side of the ball because they're they're punting more than I'm used to the Chiefs punting in the last four years. So, Yeah, I, I'm still waiting for a receiver to really come out of that room and be the guy. I mean, my expectation yeah. was that Juju would, would be the one to be the wide receiver one. Um, but he hasn't really claimed that spot yet. He's struggled the first two games. Um, Michael Hardman's been there a while. He's not in that role. Um, MVS hasn't like there's there's nobody that's really had uh like that you look at and say, okay, we've got wide receiver one, we've got Travis Kelsey, here's everybody else. And so once until they figure that out, I think they are really gonna struggle. Um, I think that. Obviously, they miss Tyreek Hill. And if you saw the yeah. tweet, uh, if you saw the tweet that he had, he kind of misses him a little bit too. Although that was prior to uh, their big game that we'll talk about here sure. in just in just a little bit. But I mean, yeah, you know, I I get what you're saying about not being impressed by the Chiefs, but I think that we've come to expect so much that the fact that they actually look somewhat human now offensively. It's and like we're starting to they doubt. Still win. Yeah. yeah, but they are a really good football team. So it's like, sure. I get you, but I think also they just are looking a little bit human. Um, and actually, I think personally, I'm just pretty tired of the Chiefs. I, th I think that's the most enough. honest way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. Having lived in Kansas City for a couple of years, um, we just, I, I'm sick of it. So. Yeah. Understandable. All right. Moving on. Jets Browns we'll talk about this a little bit I mean what is what is crazier the Jets coming back from 13 down with I think it was like a minute three to go or Joe Flacco looking good what's more improbable <laughs> um yeah fair enough um obviously it's the 13 points hasn't been done in 20 years Although you could make the argument Joe Flacco hasn't really looked good in 20 years either. Um, uh, I think uh, it's more 
incredible at this point that the Browns haven't fired their defensive coordinator. Now it's a short week, quick turnaround. Uh, they play Thursday against Pittsburgh. If they let Mitch Trubisky run all over him, we could see, I think it's Joe Woods, right? We could see Joe Woods bumped out of there pretty quick. Um, as Kevin Stefanski kind of looks to place blame because that's that was a pretty egregious coaching uh, mishap for them and execution. Not like Joe Woods can be the one who's missing tackles and yeah, um, and blowing coverages, but it, it just how do you let that happen? There's there's too much talent on that defense not for, for them not to be able to put it together. Yeah, like that's I mean most teams would kill for the amount of star power that they have um, at at those positions. But it seems like that that was an issue last year too. I feel like the de- the defense never really dominated the way that like we thought it should. Um, yeah. And now they're just struggling to look average. So I'm with you. And this is and, a good this is a good turnaround week for them. But I would also argue that playing the Jets would have been a good week to like build some momentum and get some things right. I uh, I was watching the game from my phone in the bleak or in the stands at Wrigley on Sunday uh and I could tell that Joe Flacco was targeting specifically Grant Delpit in that secondary and if I could tell that while I was at a baseball game Joe Woods should have been able to tell that at a football game yeah um and so it was just kind of disappointing that they never really he failed to make the in-game adjustment to to correct that uh in time and you had two possessions to do it and you couldn't do it uh so, um, and for all the Browns fans who were championing Cade York last week, just kind of a, of an interesting flip-flop this week as they crucify him. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a quieter week for yeah. the, uh, the Cade York fans. All right. Top three scoring offenses in the NFL. I've got the top two that you could probably guess. But number three, you will never guess. And that's going to be our segue into this next game. Number one is the Buffalo Bills, obviously. We'll talk about them in a little bit. Number two is the Chiefs who we talked about. And tied for second, your Detroit Lions. Not your Detroit Lions, but the no. surprising Detroit Lions who have scored 71 points wow. through the first two weeks. Playing golf back in the week. Eagles and playing the Commanders. Um, I mean... Yeah, this is, it's, I mean, we're in week two. They got their first win of the season. Um, on the flip side of that, it's like, yeah, you scored 71 points, but you've only won one game and you've scored 71 points in those two. Um, but we'll choose to focus on the positive because it's the Detroit Lions. And I think sure. in a normal year, it would probably take them around, you know, four or five games to get to this point. So we're going to take what we can get. I mean, the the running game looks great. DeAndre Swift gets like, three carries a game and it's just we'll just break out a 50 yard run no matter how many touches he gets um Amon Ross St. Brown picked up from where he left off last year he looks fantastic uh I mean finish the sentence or fill in the blank for me Amon Ross St. Brown is a top what wide receiver in the National Football League Amon Ross St. Brown is a top 25 I'm gonna say 25 I'd put him higher. I'm so I'm so impressed by him. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I think I mean I am too. Don't get me wrong. It's just tough sure. because it's like 
there are a lot of good wide receivers. There are, yeah, too. there's just so yeah. many. It's like once I get to listing, I'm gonna I could get to 15 without breaking a sweat, and then it's like, oh yeah, I've got to like figure out a way to put him in. So maybe top 25. Sure. I, I feel good about about top 25, but not to take away from him or what he's been doing. Um, but yeah, and I mean Jared Goff is doing enough like that. They've built this offense to where Jared Goff, similar to like how he was with the Rams, just has to do enough. And so yep. far he has. Um, so that that's definitely encouraging. We already mentioned Carson Wentz had a great game. Um, this These are two, I think, two offenses that we didn't particularly expect to be as good as they are. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's absolutely fair. Um, I think I think we're. We should be impressed with what Dan Campbell's doing. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I, I'm 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 on that bandwagon. I watched all of Hard Knocks and watching everybody kind of overreact to the fact that it was just like their first exposure to football in six months was just kind of annoying, uh, especially as a fan of another team in the NFC North. Um, but this uh, what he's doing uh, is certainly working through a couple of games. So. They're they're a scrappy fighter. I don't think that they're a playoff contender, but they're certainly going to give teams hell. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, it'd be fun to watch. I think I had them winning. I want to say six or seven games, which I I feel like fits for them for where they're at. But it's a good building block, and you know who knows where they're at next year. Yeah. Uh, NFC South showdown: the Bucks and the Saints. Bucks came out top twenty to ten. It was a very ugly game. It was three to three going into the fourth quarter. Um, and a lot of the points for the Bucks were generated off of a James Winston interception, um, which is unfortunately a phrase that people will harp on and, and stick with. But I just want to remind people he's his back was broken. Spinal. Spinal. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we were on the same page there. I mean, <laughs> I don't I'm not like. I've been a James Winston believer for what, four years now, like yeah. a, a game where he, where, you know, he's very clearly injured, um, which limited his deep ball ability. Uh, Jake Glazer said, was it four? Jake Glazer said four fractures or something like that. Yeah. In his back. Three or four, like L1 through L4. Something yeah. Like that. So, I mean, I'll take that with a grain of salt. I thought the defense for the saints looked great, but that's also the difficulty. Maybe I'll ask you that question. So because of this game and how ugly it was, is that a testament to how bad these the these offenses played or how good these defenses are? I think it's probably more to the defense, although I'm just not impressed with what Tampa Bay is doing. If if I'm if I'm concerned for one team here, it's Tampa Bay. And it's just because they cannot figure out a way to move the ball effectively with a quarterback who led in just about every major statistical category last season. Now everyone, you know, worries about the Tom Brady drop off and I'm not really sure when we'll ever get that. If we'll ever get it. Um, And this feels more reminiscent of that stretch that he had in new England followed up by that. I think week four, they got blown out by Kansas city. Um, Yeah. They're like two and and two on the season. Yeah. And it was like the start of their championship tape type thing. Um, And uh and then it all ended up working out for him. I, I can't speak to how it will work out for Tampa, but it feels um, 
too early. It, it it feels like it's premature to say that to to really push the panic button. But if you're leaning towards something, that's where I'd be leaning. Uh, for t for New Orleans, they they still have the horses. It just didn't go right for them, and that's going to happen against a dominating de uh, defense like Tampa Bay. Yeah, I, I mean we've done this dance before with Tom Brady. Yep, for years. So it's like there there is that, but also I mean you look at wide receivers. Chris Godwin might be out a couple more weeks. Mike Evans is suspended for a week. Uh, the offensive line got considerably worse and they've been banged up so it's just a matter of once you get everybody back and somewhat healthy then we can we can judge it um because th th those were my concern my concern was the offensive line and obviously Brady is not known as a mobile guy um so it's not like he can just escape the pocket whenever there's pressure but I do want to at least give them a fair shake and see what they look like with Godwin back and see what they look like with a healthy offensive line before I start calling for a drop off or, or saying that the bucks are, are, you know, bad, but there's a reason I had them going 10 and seven. It's like the, they're, they're going to face some challenges um, with this team, just the way that it's constructed. It's hard to be consistently good. Um, and it's not like it's Bill Belichick, um, you know, or, whoever it is that you want to claim for this, that's putting together that two decade long run. It's not easy. Um, and I think maybe Tom Brady might be learning that a little bit too. Do you think Tom Brady might send out a little beacon for Ali Marpet to start getting in the game shape and see if he can mount the comeback? Because who knows? I mean, he might be sending the beacon for a lot of guys. We might see Julian Edelman yeah. down there. We might see Rob Gronkowski Rob. there. We might get, <laughs> just get the whole Ray gang together. Mike Rabel might be coming back. Like you just, you never know. You never know who, who he knows and what the TB12 method can do. Is what is Wes Walker coming home? <laughs> um, well, they already got the closest thing that they're probably going to get to one of those guys and Cole Beasley. Is that true that he's right? Him? I forgot. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw that this morning. Yeah. Yeah. I think I could be wrong. Yeah. That's right. I that's only saw I it from Luke Owens. So I should click on that. Yeah, I gotta yeah. gotta fact check that. Yeah, um, they signed him today. So yeah, so I mean, we'll see. That's kind of like a, a guy, a type of guy, like a white slot receiver that he seems to just like <laughs> consistently use and love. Um, so who knows? Maybe Cole Beasley's a guy you need to look at picking up or something. Could, uh, yeah. could be could see, be worth a look. See who can help my fantasy team. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right, let's keep powering through these Panthers, Giants. Yeah. The Giants are 2-0. and up. Yeah, they're scrappy. I don't think they're very good. Um, they're a team where I'd love to see them add a quarterback out of the draft next year. Yeah. Don't know who it'll be or in free agency, but if they get stuck with like, oh, you know what would be great for them is Jimmy G. Mm. Give them Jimmy G next year. Oof, that would be terrific. That would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean, that, I, I'm with you. They're a team that's like a decent quarterback away. Um, and who who that is, you know, we don't know. But it almost feels like Jimmy G makes more sense for them just because um, they don't they, like the way that their roster is built. I don't know if they have a ton of time to like wait for a guy to develop because some of those pieces yeah. that they have might move past. Um, or a guy like their backup quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, give him some sure. run. See what yeah. happens. Um, that could that could be fun. 
Um, but they're also not going to replace their quarterback if they're winning games, or at least midseason. So until they get into a stretch of of the dog days of the New York Giants, then we probably don't see Tyrod. But um, if that if he gets his number called, that'd certainly be an interesting one. Never has gotten a fair shake. Nope. Uh, also, the uh, doctor that's working on Justin Herbert's rib cartilage, yes. same one that punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung that inadvertently started Justin Herbert's career. Yeah. So just be careful. Ooh, yeah. Be, be careful. careful. I think it's a Chase $5 Daniel million dollar settlement that he's, yeah. he sued him for, which is crazy. Crazy. Uh, all right, moving on. Speaking of Tom Brady, which we did a little bit ago, the Patriots got their first win of the season over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, I mean, there were some encouraging pieces for the Patriots. Uh, Nelson Aguilar and Jacoby Myers were both key pieces in the win in terms of receiving. I got to look at the numbers exactly. Aguilar had six for 110, and Jacoby Myers had nine for 95. Um, you toss in 15 for 71 and a touchdown from Damien Harris, and this is like, this is a solid, like the point points-wise, not exactly what you'd want. You, you know, you want to be somewhere in the 20s but I think that there were a lot of building blocks against a defense that gave Joe Burrow hell last week. Like, I think that we forget that even without TJ Watt, that's a really good unit top to bottom. Um, And so coming out of there with a win, I thought they, I thought they did a good job. Um, And I think that it's good building blocks. I don't know if anybody was on the panic button or concerned about the Patriots. I still have them in that 10 win range. And I think they can get there. Um, I think Mac Jones is going to continue to get better and build that rapport with his receivers. And, you know, we haven't even seen Devontae Parker really make a statement yet. Um, and you've got Aguilar and Jacoby Myers playing well. So I'm encouraged what I saw by the Patriots, not in like a in, insane way, but just like, a, okay, they're kind of back on track to where we need them to be. Yeah, that's fair. Uh one kind of one takeaway that we'll kind of get into in a little bit when we talk about our bets for next week. Um, Steelers and Patriots are among the teams that have not hit an over this year. So, um, and, and I think that kind of goes, it's a testament to the defensive uh, prowess that they, that they possess, but also uh, neither quarterback really impressing me too much. Obviously Mac Jones is a greater runway to kind of take off with it but uh yeah uh, even if they get to the playoffs i don't know what they'll do unless they take advantage of a team that's riddled with injuries that scraped by so yeah not super impressed but also not willing to say that they're bad either all right dolphins ravens um i mean i've been a big proponent coming into the season that i'm just not a believer in tua and it's hard to say that uh you know given the game that he had uh i think you can get i mean you can get nitpicky and be like well he's throwing to wide open receivers which he was um i don't i don't know what percentage blame goes somewhere for you know or credit in terms of two of playing well and the raven secondary literally being a mess but uh i mean you can't throw 470 by accident so I got to give at least somewhat props to Tua here. Mike McDaniel 
Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, whoever, you know, whoever it is that you want to give the props to for this one. Um, but the way that they use both receivers is great. That was the big thing yeah. for a lot of people this year was like, okay, how are they going to use both of them? Well, when you throw for 470, it's really easy to get both of them involved. Um, but man, that was one of the best games that Lamar's had in a little bit here. Um, at least from, from my eyes, I was very impressed with the way he played. And then all that just for the defense to squander a lead. That's, that is not the kind of thing that with already the contract negotiations going on that makes Lamar Jackson feel good about staying in Baltimore. Sure. Um, I think we had this conversation when we were, uh, when you were in Chicago um, and it was, would Lamar be the greatest quarterback to hit the free agent market in recent memory? And I think that answer is yes. Um, I don't know if he gets there yet, um, but you're right. This is one of those games where if he does, you kind of point to this and say, no, I, I, you know, I understand why he wasn't willing to budge on the guaranteed money. So, um, because obviously that that's not to say that he, you know, that the, that the Ravens cannot get to a Super Bowl with him. Um, but you could probably plug him into a different team and give them a better shot just because of what they provide as opposed to Baltimore. Yeah. I mean, it's just the efficiency to me was what was incredible. Nine carries, 111 yards, 29 passes, 318 and three touchdowns. Um, I mean, he did just a, like any other normal week. That's, that's a win. Didn't take a sack, didn't throw a pick. Um, I mean, he played about as flawless as he could have played. Um, and it's just the, the help he got was next to nothing. And maybe that fixes with JK Dobbins and they get that run game going. Um, but he got a hundred out of Rashad Bateman. He got a hundred out of Mark Andrews and he got six of eight, six for eight from Kenyon Drake and five for four from Mike Davis. Um, this is like the first time I feel like we've seen. Baltimore struggled to run the ball, you know, with somebody not named Lamar Jackson. It felt like they could just plug anybody in there and they could average four and a half a carry and, you know, do, do whatever. But this is the first time we're seeing a team struggle to do that. Um, and it's built off the fact, and maybe this is just like nitpicking and whatever, and it really just is down to the defense, but like they weren't overwhelmingly ex like great against the Jets. I mean, they scored, they controlled the game. They did what they had to do, but um, uh, like you would have liked to see the offense dominate a little bit more. And um, I think Joe Flacco threw for 300 against them, but uh, he did that three, long, 300 and a couple yards and four TDs and no picks. Just what you love to see. Yeah. Well, no, that was, that was this week. Oh, I mean, excuse me. Wrong game, wrong game, wrong game. Yeah. 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 Um, but, yeah. No, do, wait. So does Flacco. Yeah. Does Flacco have two back-to-back 300-yard -back games? I'm I'm pretty sure he does. I will I mean, look that up. Okay. All right. Let me – you while you look that up, let's move on to this next game here. Yeah. The Falcons and – the Falcons and the Rams. Is it – are yeah? Yeah. He does? Uh, I, um, da, 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 da. Uh, Joe Flacco, 307 last week, 616 total. So, yeah, he has to. 309, um, yeah. Wow. Back to back. That's yeah, what I'm saying. Do you want to change your answer about the what was more improbable? 
Uh, yeah, it's Joe Flacco doing anything at the age of 37 <laughs> is improbable. Five TDs, <laughs> one pick. QBR still 39.8. I mean, it's it's not. He's missing a lot. Like, he's missing a lot. His completion percentage is only, I think, 60%. Just got to keep chucking it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Rams-Falcons, keep moving here. This game was pretty much over. The The Falcons kind of brought it back at the end in a weird way. It was never really, like, out of hand, I would say. Um, but the Rams got, you know, they got one down. The offense looked good. Cooper Cup looked great. Classic. Um, not a lot to say. I mean, maybe it's a different story if the Falcons finish off that run at the end. But, like, I don't know. Any? Do you have any thoughts, anything of note? Um, I, I'm very confused by the Rams. Um, that's just kind of how, how I feel with them. Um, and then as for the Falcons, how do you feel about Kyle Pitts right now? Like that's, I mean, what he's... are you supposed to think about him? He he, he had what, two catches or two targets this past yeah, week? Was... Or four targets, two catches? Yeah. It, it's not he's great. He's the kind of guy that you need to be scheming the offense around. Um, And, you know, Drake London is getting opportunities. He's getting open, which is great. But that's, you know, Kyle Pitts is that guy. He's the transcendental player at his position. And you're almost doing him a little bit of a disservice if you're not going to at least try to get him more involved than they are. Um, And it's just going to make it easier for Mariota. So I'm not sure why. And maybe teams are, are... I'll have to go back and watch the games more specifically. Maybe they're selling out to stop him and saying, beat us elsewhere. But I think Kyle Pitts is good enough to overcome that. Um, And Mariota and Arthur Smith and the Falcons should want that to happen too. Um, So yeah, a little bit confusing for me. Um, Yeah. Uh, The other note on that is that the Falcons are one of the only teams that are 2-0 against the spread this year um so talk about scrappy and they have also hit the over in both of their games so good teams win great teams cover so yes falcons are great congratulations to arthur smith <laughs> uh yeah let him know let him know about that see what he thinks he won't be as yeah, mad he's in the unemployment line in a few in, at the end of the year so uh texans broncos booze from denver um not a fan of the play calling the decision making this is not the play play clock as it counts down (laughs) it's not great for nathaniel hackett yeah it's not i brought this up last week in that i was not like i how could you be impressed with nathaniel Hackett's week one if you weren't impressed with his week one you certainly weren't impressed with his week two they only beat houston because it's houston yeah and it's why they should have beaten seattle was because it was seattle um it just there's so much potential on that roster and I hope to God that Nathaniel Hackett gets his head out of his ass in the next couple of weeks. But he is, he and that staff are, have created an undisciplined product that is just squandering the potential away. It is, it is incredible just to see where they are at, because I agree. I mean, this team is like, you look on both sides of the ball and they should be right up there with the AFC West of like fighting for those, you know, scoring every drive like wow this is crazy russ has got 
Judy. He's got uh, he's got Sutton. He's got all these weapons. And it's yeah, we're sitting here talking about how bad of a job Nathaniel Hackett has done. Um, that's not Nathaniel Hackett shouldn't be a talking point. Um, best case scenario until week 14 when he's in discussion for like, wow, he's done good. Like let's, you know, he should be coach of the year, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, it, it should, it should be that way because everybody should, he should just blend into the background, let Russ do what he has to do. Let that offense flow. I mean, yeah. But the fact that he's um, a talking point, well, he was a talking point in both weeks is should be concerned for him. And as it kind of goes with the other, the other edge of the sword is Lovey Smith. I, 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 that, that Texans team is just so poorly run that it's a shame that like, oh, Davis Mills looks good. Brandon Cooks looks good. Uh, Damian Pierce could really do something special with his career. Um, and all of the, and they do have talent on both sides of the ball, albeit not much. Um, and, and they wouldn't be a contender regardless of who their coach might be. But uh, Lovey Smith is just not equipped to be a head coach in 2022. And we kind of saw that with that four running back shit show. Um, pardon me on that. But um, when they, they had all four running backs on the field for that one play, and then it resulted in an interception, that might be one of the funniest play calls that I've ever seen. Yeah, I – I feel bad for him in a sense too, because I don't think anybody ever expected him to like come away with keeping the job for a substantial amount of time. Sure. It was just, and maybe for him, it's the same thing. It's like, it's just a stop on the, on the road trip, collect a check, get fired, leave amicably, whatever the case. But yeah, I mean, that's not, that's not the kind of team that the Broncos should be lumped in with, but they are um from that sense all right let's finish up here really quick um 49er seahawks the score was not a surprise to me you know the i have got the 49ers going to the super bowl i'm sticking with that even though we do have jimmy g going forward because of what i said at the beginning of the year the team built around them is really good and the quarterback just has to be good enough um and really you know, with Jimmy G, you've kind of elevated that floor a little bit, um, you know, and and that's just the the reality of the situation. I mean, the upside on Lance is, is huge, and obviously, you know, prayers up for a speedy recovery, and, and next year this is going to be his team, but Jimmy G has a chance to get in there, look decent enough to convince a team to spend $25 million for him to be their quarterback next year. But he's got he's got this bonus. I don't know if you saw, but if he plays twenty five percent of the snaps, he gets quarter of a million dollars for every every game. He plays over twenty five percent of the snaps, gets quarter million dollars. If they win, he gets a hundred k. So he's got a legit shot to make bank. Bank, yeah. I mean, just just by staying healthy, he can make four million dollars the rest of the season. That's that's if they don't win another game. He will make four million. Stay healthy on- is, a, is another thing for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however, no, that that's great for him. Uh, specifically, in the uh, in the sense that he took a he took a pay cut. Um, yeah. For a contract re- restructure that kind of gives him flexibility for his future. Um, 
and yeah pretty pretty interesting now what what they've yeah. got going there yeah i mean and all that talk about like oh this means they don't trust in trey lance whatever blah 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 the 49ers no, got quarterback is... insurance and yeah. had they traded jimmy g and trey lance goes down i mean their season is in shambles but now they can you know continue along as best they can which is you know fortunate for them so it's like the you know obviously you're not counting on an injury but because they did have that you know they had such a high level backup it makes it easy for them to just move into um finding that replacement who's in the building who's been there the last four years who knows the offense who's been to a super bowl with you like it it makes it makes things easy well and think back to when you um or, or think back to week one, and I and I said this last week was, I I'm, I still kind of think that if Jimmy G was starting that week one game in the monsoon at Soldier Field, 49ers probably come away with a win. And that's not to say that Trey Lance isn't going to have a better career than Jimmy Garoppolo at some point, but it, it just meant that skill set wise, it was better suited for Jimmy Garoppolo, who's further along in his development, because he should be, because he's 31, I think. And, and Trey Lance, that, that's, a, that's a crappy way to get your third start. And um, this is an even crappier way to finish your fourth. So, um, yeah, it, it, it puts the 49ers in an interesting spot. I think um, regardless of kind of what happens here, this is it for Jimmy G in San Francisco. And then he's, he's on elsewhere. But um, he kind of gets to write uh, his next chapter with what he does with this one, which is nice. And uh it uh, it just places an emphasis on the fact that it, it it stinks for Trey Lance because I think the the only way for him to get better right now is by playing, and now he's lost the ability to do that for the rest of this season. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously hoping for a quick recovery um, from him, but the okay last two games on Sunday we're we're just gonna play it quick. All right, I'm gonna ask you a question from each game, um, and then we'll get into the Monday game because that's kind of the one. I want to talk about your your Buffalo Bills you have going undefeated. Look, insane. Um, but before you get to that, Cowboys good or Bengals bad? Bengals bad. Okay. Cardinals good or Raiders bad? Cardinals good. Okay. We can unpack that more later. Maybe we'll leave it a little teaser. We'll talk about them more next week, but just in the interest of time, um, that's all we're going to talk about for those two games. Obviously sure. some, some interesting finishes, but we'll talk about this Monday game here so we can get to our final two segments. Uh, the Bills are that team. I mean, they're a team they we both so had going good. to the Super Bowl and yeah. for good reason. Pat, Let's pat ourselves on the back. We look like geniuses. Um, because they are they are insane. Stefan Diggs is great. Josh Allen is great. Von Miller is great. Uh, name a player on on the Bills, and they are playing their role to perfection. Sean McDermott is great. Um, wow. I mean, this was just utter domination. And I'm not big on the Titans, and you aren't either. So the result of the game wasn't shocking to either of us. Sure. Um, but this Bills team, just the way that they won um, was fantastic for, for them. Um, yep. 
the Bills are very, 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 very good. Stefan Diggs, very good. Josh Allen, very good. That whole thing that they have going there. Uh, and that's not even giving credit to the defense that just dominated that game, too. Uh, adding Von Miller is so perfect for them, yet so unfair for everybody else. Um, Eagles, Vikings, did you learn anything? I didn't. Um, oh, I forgot except, about that I game. Think, uh, the Eagles are, I think the Eagles are very good. Uh, I'm skeptical of the coaching of that team. And then as for the Vikings, I, I wasn't high on them to begin with. And I wasn't necessarily shocked that they beat the Packers last week either. So it's, it's, it's like same I, old I Vikings. Really much. Yeah. It's same old Vikings. We're going to do this dance for five different times during the season where it's like, Oh, maybe they turned a corner. No, maybe. No. Mm-mm. So it's just, I mean, they're going to win nine or 10 games and they somehow make it into the playoffs. Kirk Cousins is going to fall apart like he does. That's just the reality of the situation. And um, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody expected different. I think that for all the, I mean, I, I texted you on Sunday of like just needing to go back and like just rethink everything. The only thing that I the only thing that I feel more confident about maybe than, you know, how good the bills are is how much the Vikings are the Vikings. And that's really all there is to say on the matter. I feel like, um, but yeah, Eagles played great. Jalen hurts is uh, the development is coming along very well, uh, which is good because I feel like for a lot of Eagles fans, this was a make or break year. Um, and with Dak being out, this is the time for the Eagles to capitalize and, build you know build that momentum um and get a lead as much as they can but yeah eagles look good defense is solid aj brown fantastic um everything you could have wanted from week one week two i mean i know he was injured for a little bit but um yeah that's it's everything's going about as well as they could have hoped in philadelphia sure i agree all right let's move into our draft book report scouting report thing however it is that that you want to call it i don't know i feel like at this point still haven't come up with a solid name for it nothing stuck yet but book reports is really kind of what i got going on um i can i i can start it off if you'd like yeah yeah kick it off for sure sure so i know daniels at tcu corner uh he's uh measures in at six foot uh 210 uh, TCU did not play last week. However, here's what I kind of gathered. Um, he, I think he has three tackles on the year. Um, he's not targeted often. Um, Pro Football Focus did rank him as the top corner uh, in the Big 12 uh, in coverage since 2019. Uh, and a lot of that is just because he doesn't get targeted often, but when he does, he doesn't let people get by him. Um, kind of where I have him is as a fringe second rounder with uh, potential to grow healthily into that second round or even into the late first, um, depending on team need and depending on how his team does this year. Perfect. Yeah, my my guy that I've got, first one up here is Jaheim Bell, 6'3", 230 pounds, tight end out of South Carolina. Um, so being 6'3", uh, a little bit undersized in the tight end position, so he struggles with blocking. Um, but obviously where he makes up for it and why he's such a uh, highly touted t- 
tight end is his ability to uh, catch the ball, his ability to run after the catch. He's a hard guy to bring down. Um, and really, if you can do that well enough, um, then blocking your work, you know, we're not going to care about as much. I think having him slotted as a tight end um, and also the struggles this year that South Carolina, South Carolina's had in general is definitely a knock on, on him. So I really, in terms of where I've got him slotted as late second, early third, but if he, if he, you know, if they do better, if he makes strides as a blocker, um, he could slowly move up, but really like all things considered, I see him as a, a late to early, early third guy. Sure. Um, I, my next guy that I had was uh, Jordan Battle from Alabama, the safety. He's 6'1", 206. Um, last week didn't really show us much because he didn't have to play a whole lot um, after they blew out whoever the hell they were playing. Um, what I did have is that, uh, why, you know, we watched the Alabama Texas game together. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I kind of gathered from that was that he was the most impactful defender on that Alabama defense, which will have probably either the top pick or a top three pick with Will Anderson this year. Mm -hmm. Um, Will Anderson looked a little jumpy and had a few unnecessary penalties in that game. Uh, Jordan Battle was the most solid defender that they had. Um, he's very, he's extremely versatile for his size um, and can develop a, a knack for tackling. Uh, low end, I had as a comp with Eddie Jackson and as a high end with Jamal Adams, which I think is another level and that's very yeah. good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've got my second guy's break Blake Freeland, offensive tackle out of BYU. Uh, he is 6'8, 305 pounds. So right there, just reading the measurables, you've got, you know, a bunch of scouts tuning into this guy just for that alone. Um, and with that comes a lot of power. He's got great length. Um, but really, this trouble with him is getting out into space. Um, you know, those next level blocks in he struggles with uh the speed rushers coming around the outside, which is natural. Um, but he's going to be a guy who uh, he'll find success if he can get put on an offensive line that can kind of hide those weaknesses early on. Um, and so because he is kind of like a scheme fit um, in that regard, he's kind of a third to fourth round guy. Um, but it really does help, you know, if BYU can, um, are they, is BYU ranked? I know they lost pretty bad to Oregon, but I don't know. If that kicked them out of the rank, either dropped out or if they're low twenties. Yeah, I, I know that they're close. So you know, uh, that that is sort of a, a bright side for them to get some of that national attention if they can get back into the rankings. Nineteen. Nineteen. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I've got about a third to fourth round guy, um, but in the right situation, I think he can blossom into something really special. It's just going to take a little bit more time. Um, but you can't teach six eight three oh five. So um I had number sixty-one out of the one hundred, uh, and that was um Clark Phillips, Utah. Um I I had written down here that his stats this season won't necessarily jump off the page. Um, at least until conference play, because he's not targeted often when you're playing such an inferior opponent in non-conference. 
Uh, he did get injured on Saturday and then remained out, but it seemed more like a precaution uh, and that he should be healthy going forward. So he also looks like a really good corner. Um, corner is a deep spot in the in the draft this year, uh, as it typically can be. But uh, each each defensive back that I had here looks like a promising prospect. Yeah, well, I mean that's good. They are all yeah. uh, they are all moving in the right direction. Um, so my last guy is Noah Sewell, who is a linebacker out of Oregon, 6'3", 250. Um, and as we mentioned, younger brother of Panay Sewell. Um, so he's got classic instincts, athleticism to be, you know, a, a really good linebacker at the next level. Um, sort of every, he checked kind of all of those boxes that you would want. Um, really a lot of it is going to be just learning the position. Um, he's got that raw, the raw talent that comes with it, but it's getting to that next level. He can sometimes be, uh, he can struggle diagnosing option plays or, uh, you know, getting overshooting gaps and, and that sort of thing from what I, what I saw and what I've read, it's just like little mistakes where it's like, man, just kind of hone it all in and he could be really good. Um, there's a very good chance that he could sneak into the first round of this year's draft. Um, I think a very solid and likely landing spot for him is going to be the second round just because of the way that, you know, look at linebackers last year and, and how they, they fared. Um, it seemed like some of those guys went a little bit later um, in my mind than, than should have. So I think he's a first round talent, but I think a team is probably going to take a chance on him in, in the second round. Um, yeah, so that is it. Like that that yeah. includes our draft report, scouting card thing. You know what it is. We know what it is. We know what to look for. Um, we've got three guys coming for both of us next week, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but before we go, we've got our bets for this week. So I am struggling, one and five. Um, so I've, I've taken a hard look in the mirror. Um I've decided that I'm going to go three and this week. Um, and that's about, that's the, that's all the pep talk I needed. So I'm going three and this week. So I don't, do you want me to start? Uh, you, you can tell um, me if start. you want to. I, I, mean, I will start um, in case you want to tell me, cause I'm four and two. Um, <laughs> first things first, Thursday night, we have to talk about Thursday night. We do. Um, yes. Brown Steelers. The Browns have gone over in each of their games so far this year. Um, the Steelers are a team that has gone over in both of their, or excuse me, under in both of their games. Um, that over-under only set at 38. I tend to lean with the Browns on this one um, in terms of being able to push that to the over. So I'm taking the over 38 and a half. Okay. I also took that, but I wasn't tailing you. I did have that written down. Sure. You tell yourself whatever you'd like. <laughs> I I was running around, running this in my head, um, just trying to figure it out because it's I've been wrong on so many of these where it's like, man, that looks so low. Um, and 38 and a half is low, especially considering one, the Browns scored 30, but more importantly, gave up 31 uh, the previous week. So that's kind of what guides my decision-making. I think that, um, the offense and the defense of the Browns can help get us to that over, um, which I'm encouraged about. It has nothing to do with 
really the Steelers at all. It's strictly Browns. Um, 38 and a half is just so few points. It's just so little that maybe I got yeah. sucked into it because we had to bet something and I didn't really feel sure. good about betting for the Steelers or the Browns. And so maybe that's what I'm left with. But 38 and a half is just so few points. So I guess we're we're on the same boat for for that one. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, my next game that I had was Ravens are visiting Foxborough, um, and they are three and a half point fa- or three point favorites right now. Um, I yeah, I we got into it earlier. I wasn't impressed by New England, and st- I'm still not. Um, and it's tough to bet against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, but that's what I'm rolling with this week. I'm going to, uh, excuse me, Baltimore minus three. So I I've taken Baltimore the last two weeks. Um, obviously they let me down last week. So I'm going away from the Ravens. I'm taking a hiatus just for one week. Um, and I'm telling another team that's just really good. Um, I am betting the Buffalo Bills minus five and a half to cover against the Dolphins. I think that the Bills defense is quite considerably better than the uh, the Ravens defense, namely the secondary, but also the pass rush too. Um, I think the Bills are going to give Tua a lot of problems. And I think that this game is going to be over by about halfway through the second quarter, um, much like Monday night football. Um, because the especially if Gabe Davis plays, the Dolphins are going to have no answer for what uh, Sean McDermott has planned for for them. So that feel it just feels right to me. I mean, I got to get back on track. Um, like I said, I'm not losing a bet. So the Bills the Bills are far and above the better team, and they're going to show just how much better than everyone in the AFC East they are by destroying the Dolphins this Sunday. Fair enough. I like that. Uh, my last pick then, um, kind of betting with the trends again, the uh, Cowboys and Giants have not hit an over this year. I still don't anticipate that to happen, even with a low total at 39 and a half on Monday night. Banged up Cowboys and then you have the Giants who have been scrappy, but not necessarily explosive. Um, so I'm taking the under 39 and a half in that one. My final pick is... I mean, from the Raiders-Titans game, I think that the Raiders have struggled to close out games, if you will. Um, so because this line is so favorable, um, I might as well go with the team with the Raiders because they won't have to close out the game because they'll just be up by so much. Um, I think that they're still as good as Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, that connection looked. I think there's difficulty finding out where those pieces of Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller lay still. And they're trying to mesh all three of them together. Um, and when it does, that's, that's when I want to be there. That's when I want to be betting on them. Um, and what better time for that to happen than against the Tennessee Titans who just come off a beating from the Buffalo bills and just don't have the ability to keep up with some of these teams and some of these really good offenses. Um, and so the over was tempting, but ultimately I decided with the Raiders minus two over the Titans. All right. Fair enough. Good pick. So I'm going to get back on track this week, four and five, once we get back. Um, so feeling pretty good about that. Seven um, and two. 
when I get back. Cool. Uh, we'll see. I mean, you're going to win one, one at least. I know that. So yeah, congrats. fair enough. We've got the over. Um, I'm making a comeback. Just watch, watch, watch it. Watch it happen. Uh, all right. I think that'll do it for us this week. Um, hopefully week three goes better for both of our teams. Um, the Colts are playing the Chiefs. So we'll see. Um, yeah. Let's, come on, Michael Pittman. Hopefully you're healthy. Any last thoughts before we, before we let the people go? Next time I talk to you, Bears will be two and one. We'll That's an encouraging thought. For you. Yeah. Next time I talk to you, the Colts will have scored a point. Fair enough. How about that? We'll go for that. We'll start one game. We're just going for a field goal. One bit at all a right. time. One bit at a time. All right. All right. That is all from us, but thank you guys, <laughs> and we'll see you next week.